This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $700 on ceiling. Talk to a sleep expert and unjunk your sleep today. Mattress Firm. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me tonight is Giannis Janaeus and Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 1-0 loss to Barnsley on Saturday. We have a lot to talk about in regards to this loss. But before we do that, I want to talk about something that happened after we did the full-time show. I became aware of this. The tweet probably came out earlier than that, but... The situation with Cyrus Christie and his sister is utterly disgusting, and we're going to start the show by talking about it. I'm going to start by reading the tweet from Cyrus Christie. Here it is, dated August 3rd. To the Fulham fan that decided to hit my sister at the game today and his wife who justified his action with racist remarks, I hope you're proud of yourself and feel like a big man. You'll get what's coming to you regardless how you felt about the result your actions are shameful. That's a tweet from Cyrus Christie. I could not agree with Cyrus any stronger than what he tweeted. It is disgusting. And I tweeted about it Saturday night, and I'm just shocked by what happened to his sister. And it is just, shameful is a great word. And Max, I'm going to bring you on first. I want to get your thoughts on the incident that happened to Cyrus Christie's sister it is just mind-blowing that this stuff goes on. Yeah, thanks, Ross. And I'd like to applaud your decision to start the show with this because at the end of the day, this is so much more important than any result than any game of football, right? Absolutely. This is people's lives. And uh, let's just say, I mean, the club, I think, I'm gonna, the club has done well by putting itself on social media saying, please tell us what you know. 
so far, all we have is Cyrus's account. And I'd like to make it clear that I would not for one moment expect Cyrus is lying or why would anyone make something like this up? So I'm going to take him 100% at his, at his word because that's all we have right now. But to whoever did this, I think it's easy to say that that person isn't Fulham. But honestly, I think that's an easy way out, you know? This person was in the OAN. This person was a Fulham supporter. And not only do we have to accept that this is one of our own who did this, but say there's no place for this in Fulham. None. And none. And you're completely right by starting with this. And it's, it's, it's so sad that in 2019, a player like Cyrus Christie has to go through this and his family has to go through this because this has nothing to do with his, how he played. His performance doesn't matter at all. He's a human being. And I think it's so nowadays the the terrible incidents of the weekend, not only Cyrus's, but what happened, you know, across America, where's the decency, where's the the common courtesy for human beings nowadays in in this society. It's, it's so sad. And to see someone do what, what Cyrus has said they did is, is is just below human. And I think the club, um, the fellow players and and the fan community, like we're doing right now has to really stand with Cyrus I might Absolutely. have slated him many times. I think we all have first performance, but he's not just a footballer. Above all, he's a human being, and no human being should ever have to be subjected to racism. And especially in this day and age, it is disgusting. It's beneath Fulham, and there's no place for this at the club. Absolutely, Max. And uh, I became aware of this after we recorded full-time, and I was just in shock by what People were sending me. I could not believe that this was going on, and it is just shameful. This is a word that Cyrus Christie used, and I think that it's the right word in in this uh, type of uh, discussion. Giannis, over to you. I know how strongly you feel about this because I've seen your your messages to Max and myself, so I want to give you the floor right now to talk about this. Well, first and foremost, a man physically assaulted a woman. And um, and that's so cheap and um, so disgusting. Um, and then, of course, um, a man has assaulted, you know, sister of a professional footballer uh, at a football stadium in front of numerous uh, witnesses. Um, I know there's a, the passion of the game. You know, we have good games and we have bad games, but it's, as Max said, you know, in light of what happened, North America this last weekend, um, it's it's appalling. I I, I would, you know, I, I'm sure most of us felt sick after the game. Uh, I'm sure most of us still feel sick. Um, that the result is secondary, and uh, I mean, I, if I was Cyrus, uh, I wouldn't begrudge him going up to the club and saying, "Get me out of here." I, I I don't need myself or my family members to be subjected to physical and racial abuse. I remember, I, I'm old enough to remember when I believe the first black player um, to play for a London club was Clyde Best back in the 70s. And, you know, fans of his own club throwing bananas on the pitch. You know, this is, I, I thought this is, this is, uh, I know the, the, the lunatic element. Unfortunately, and this is going to be a harsh statement, but there was a statistic that was released last week about um, the last few years that the, the, the London club has had the most arrests uh, is Fulham. And unfortunately, uh, in the last decade or so, we have attracted um, a, a lunatic mob fringe of supporters that don't reflect the rest of us. 
because the club's always been known as mums and dads and granddads. That's right. And husbands and wives. And they're not. They go into, they go into trains on the road. They, they get drunk. They are abusive to passengers. Um, they, um, you know, they vandalize. And they don't reflect me as a human. They don't reflect me in the club I support. So um, Cyrus is right. Um, the individual will get what's coming. And um, I'm expecting, you know, full criminal charges and that, that this particular individual is banned for life. And uh, and I, I, you know, on behalf of all the fans, say, you know, express how sorry I am and we are to Cyrus and his family for what they went through. And, and uh, it's a dark cloud hanging over, over the club. And But you know what? Um, it's going to be resolved. And then once that's done, hopefully that's going to be a learning. Um, it's going to be a learning moment for all the, all the fans that uh, at the end of the day, these, these, these players earn a lot of money, but they are human and they're just doing a job to put food on the table for their families. So we can't, we can't forget that. I'm glad that you said that, Yanis. Let's take this as a, a chance here to learn from someone's ignorance, someone's disgusting behavior, and not let it happen again. Now, we're responsible for ourselves, but again, we can't control what other people do but we can spread the message that this should not ever be tolerated, ever. We're talking, like you said, physical violence, racism. There's no place for it in our society, none. And the fact that we're talking about it now just basically sickens me. But I feel a need, I think we all feel a need that we have to talk about it so maybe something good can come out of it that we can move on from it and never hopefully see something like this again. I know that's a huge goal that this doesn't happen again. It's probably not realistic. Probably something else will happen, but I think we have to create the awareness and band together as a community to not accept anything like this and to say, this has to stop any form of racism, any form of physical abuse should not be tolerated at all. And uh, I'm completely, utterly disgusted by this. And I hope Fulham find this person and ban them for life and do whatever they need to do within the laws. And I'm saying that because this is truly, utterly disgusting. All right. Max, before we go, anything else you want to say about this situation? Before we move on from this, I I, want to give you both a chance to say something. Thank you, and I completely echo what you and Giannis just said. But uh, quickly, I'd like to say that this is, I think, a part of a larger pattern of abuse towards players. You see it on social media after a match. I mean, you see it you know, in the stands. And it's such vitriol, such anger that fans, and I know the club has gone through a tough time. And when that happens, you almost forget that these players are humans. You go out there and you make a mistake. You pass the ball to another player. Do you think Cyrus Christie wanted to do that? Do you think he meant to sabotage the match? Do you think he meant to of course play not. poorly? Of course not. But but that, because this this this, uh, this atmosphere is so angry that, that people, whatever they they have problems in their own lives, they take it out when they go to the to the ground. They take it out when they're hiding behind their social media anonymous profiles. It has to stop. We don't treat players like fellow human beings. We treat them like people to be yelled at, to be abused. And that's not okay. You know, we're a family here at Fulham. 
and and these players are part of the family. That's and right. You might not like what they do on the pitch, but that's completely different than who they are as people. And when you cross that line and you start to forget who these people are, incidents like this can happen. And I think honestly, everyone has to take the blame for it because when we make games a matter of such importance, you know, when, when we when we take when we raise the stakes, these things happen. And people forget the basic humanity of fellow human beings. And, and it's just deplorable. And, and there's, no other, there's, there's nothing to say except get out of my club and stay out of my club. Okay, very good. Giannis, over to you. I just want to just echo what Max was talking about because we always say phone family. We are a family. And as a family, as a community, we cannot accept anything like this. And that's what has really gotten me over these last few days when I really thought about this. I know I'm here in America. You're in Canada. And Max is, is in America as well. But we have Fulham fans everywhere. We all are part of this community. We all need to stand up and say no more to any of this. Over to you. Um, well, this individual is not part of my family. I mean, he, and, he, you know, and he's not part of Fulham family. I mean, I, I, I grew up in the, in the 70s when, you know, unfortunately, football hooliganism, with, I'm going to use... Leeds United and Millwall were the first two names that pop out of my head. And I used to live um, not too far away from, from the den. And it was a, it's a, diff- a challenging part of London at the best of times. And you know, things like Intercity Firm with West Ham United, and just, it was just, it, and then of course we had the Heifer disaster, um, which, you know, were, and then the Hillsborough disaster. These are things yep. we'll never forget. Um, it's, um, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of head nodding. Bit, you know, Fulham fans are, are head nodding because they just can't believe what's happened. Um, I think the only thing we can I think the only thing we can do is now just expedite the process in terms of ensuring that this this um, unicellular brain excuse of matter right, gets brought to justice and quickly. Right. And Cyrus is right because. Um, um, in institutions, um, there is a code in terms of crimes that are committed in society. And one of the, the crimes that is extremely frowned upon by the general population is assault against women. Um, it is not, it, it is a faux pas. And so um, for what he did, he can get, a, you know, there's obviously assault charges and inciting racial hatred. Yep. Which is indictable, and he could end up in jail. But if he thinks his problems are bad now, wait till he he gets inside, because um, he'll get it he'll, he'll get it good and proper. And at the end of the day, you know, um, Cyrus is black, and uh, he he's hearing he's seeing this, and uh, the notion has to be that um, you know, what is the point of being in a position where you can you can actually be <clears throat> subjected to this and then um, um, as I said I, you know there's 60 odd hours or whatever till the trading deadline but I wouldn't be surprised if he decided I want to run out because this can scar I can tell you as an, an educator this can scar yep. you emotionally and deep seated even to the extent of putting on the shirt you know it's the association with the club that has an association with even one fan that decides that they're going to an absolute lunatic so anyway let's hope this is done this is done this is expedited that he that cyrus and his family receive the social and emotional supports that he needs right now totally agree and, 
and yeah, and, and the Metropolitan Police, who are an outstanding police force, um, you know, do what they need to do to bring this fellow. Somebody out there, if they're listening, somebody out there, I'm sure knows who this individual is, and um, you know, do what you need to do, um, and uh, bring this guy to justice, and um, let's use this as a learning tool moving forward. Absolutely, and we've also been talking about it. This is uh, an opportunity to bring the community together and, and say no to what we've been talking about, really, because it, it is terrible. And uh, like I said, we're, we're talking about physical abuse to a woman is disgusting in itself. Racism is disgusting in itself. I was thinking about this. I was brought up, guys, to treat everyone equal. doesn't matter what the color of your skin, religion, whatever. We're all equal, and we all should have the same amount of respect for each other. And this flies in the face of it. And I just find it just reprehensible what this person has done. And uh, like Cyrus Christie said, he'll he'll have his day. And uh, let's hope justice is done on that. But uh, I'm glad that we started the show talking about it. I, I know I wanted to talk about it. And I think the best thing we all can do right now is to support Cyrus, his sister, and the entire Christie family through this and let them know that they are part of the Fulham family because they are, and we need to take care of our family. And that's how we will end talking about it, about that. But thank you guys for sharing your views on it. Okay. Let's now talk about the match. Let's uh, transition and talking about what happened on Saturday. And guys, I thought an interesting way to do this because as Fulham fans, we all are extremely disappointed by the one nil loss to Barnsley. But I, I got a question for you, Max. I'm going to pose this to you, and then I want to ask Giannis the same thing. I think this is a great way to start the show, start the first post-match show of the new season. Where did Fulham lose this match, Max? I'm going to ask you, this is the way I want to put it. I think they lost it in central midfield. The midfield three <laughs> you read affected my mind, everything that yeah. Fulham did. Your thoughts. Yeah, That's yeah. my opinion. You completely read my mind there, 100%. Um, I was just going to say that as soon as you pose that question, we've seen people, I think inexplicably, you know, attack people like Abubakar Kamara. He's not the reason we lost this match. We've no. also seen people attack the back four. And were they great? By no means. But they're not the reason we lost this match. The midfield, as you said, was completely anonymous. I mean, where were they the entire match? There's no... There's nothing linking the defense to the attack. There's nothing getting the attack involved in the match. And there's absolutely no protection for that back four. There's nothing. I mean, Kevin McDonald, I'm sorry to say, he looked off the pace. I thought it was just a Premier League thing. He can't last 46 matches in the championship. We need a new replacement for him. I mean, we knew he was slow, but if anything, he's gotten slower. And it's every single little intricate touch and pass. He seemed flat-footed. You know, it was Kevin McDonald that was worst. Yep. Tom Cairnett, I'm going to point him out as well. I think we all lauded the contract extension. I thought everyone thought it was a great piece of business. Not if he plays like this. After the first 10 minutes, he looked like he got stuck in. I was kind of impressed. And then the rest of the match, again, completely missing. He was gone. Stephanie Johansson, largely the same. And when you have those three players who we'd all, we loved them back in 17, 18, of course, they were the, they were the, the, the glue, you know, that, that, that brought this side together. Yep. And, you know, on the weekend, they weren't, it's, it's like they're nothing. There's nothing holding that side together. 
Um, and, and I think that's why we lost the match. There is no spine to that team. There's no protection for the back four. And there's nothing to get those front three involved at all. It's a domino effect, Max. That's why when I thought about doing the post-match show, I wanted to pose the question, where did Fulham lose this match? And I just looked at those three players in central midfield. But I also want to mention, and I did this on full-time, I have to give full credit to Barnsley's manager and the players because they won this match. They deserved to win. They made Fulham look this way. They had energy. They were youthful. And they wanted it more. But when yeah, I look know, at it, go ahead, Max. No, it reminded me a lot of, of the Bristol City away match uh, last February. Because I remember that that first half, uh, and in the second half actually as well, they were all over us. And they gave us no time on the ball. Yep. And I remember talking to you, you two after that match and saying, this is a blueprint in how to play against Fulham. Deny them time and space in the ball midfield. Press that back four. And, they, and we will suffer. Because we weren't good at it then, and we're not good at it now. When teams step high in us, we struggle. We don't react very quickly. Our players aren't necessarily quick in thinking, quick in the passing. We like when teams lay off us. But when we get a little bit of pressure, everything seems to break down. And you saw they're all over us. And their energy was superb. And that team, I know it's a cliche, but they wanted a lot more than we did. I think yeah. we traipsed into this thinking, listen, we're, we're promotion favorites. Scotty's at the wheel. We have a very strong side on paper. Barnsley, who are these guys? You know, They got Collie Woodrow. We're going to rough them up. They roughed us up, Russ. They taught us a lesson. Yep. The championship is – we should have remembered this. These players are not – these players <laughs> aren't going to forget that. We were there. We weren't there that long ago. We only spent one season away, and they seem to uh, inflate their egos uh, yep. in the time since. But we look completely off the pace and entitled more than anything. We okay, look entitled. Excellent. Very good. Giannis, over to you because I, I've given this a lot of thought, and I keep going back to the midfield three. Because when I look at how Barnsley was playing, it's almost like the teams were playing at two different speeds. One was at a 10 and one was at a 5. And they were on top of those guys whenever they had a chance, but they did not react well. And when your engine isn't running correctly, it affects every part of your car. We are just talking about me buying a new car. And it also made me think about this. There's something wrong with the engine, at least in this match. Do you agree with Max and I that's where Fulham lost this match, or do you have a different theory on this? No, I, I, I totally agree. We looked um, – I mean, let, let's give Barnsley their due. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, they, they came – this is the World Cup final. They just got promoted from League One. They've gone over 25 games unbeaten at home. And, but, and there's been a lot of criticism that was leveled at the back four, but if you look at pre-season – um, we didn't concede many goals, but we scored even fewer. That's right. So the the midfield look, looked slow and med-legged. And um, I keep thinking, is this the, looking at them, is this the midfield that will could take us back up? And, and the answer is, of course, no. Um, Kevin McDonald looked like he's gone past his sell-by date. He had an awful game. Yeah. Def Joe wasn't much better. And, um, and you know, Kenny looked up. He, he looked... He looked out of touch, and, and they looked a yard quicker, really, than any other area. But they did, they destroyed us in the middle. And so, oh, you know, yeah. if this Harry Arter, the rumour of Harry Arter coming in, um, does bear fruit, that's an upgrade for sure, because he's someone who will um, is physical and is a little bit mean, and um, he will ask questions of his teammates, let alone the team, team he's facing. Um, and we still need more quality in there. We don't 
we're lacking in midfielders. And what worries me is we're so close to the deadline. You know, we've picked, you know, Cavalier and Knockout have been signed. Yep. But we're waiting for the Ryan Sessignon deal to get over the line, really, to be the precursor to whatever's going to happen. And it's extraordinarily late. And the, the midfield right now, based on that performance, doesn't. Um, it doesn't exactly inspire, and and Barnsley took us, to, you know, they tore us to shreds. Um, Absolutely, yes. So I mean, that's gonna. I'm sure Scott Scotty Park will be very disappointed with the result, but he'll be even more disappointed with the, the performance. And the midfield really got a good whooping, and um, I'm sure he'll have got on the phone to Tony Khan and said, "Look, um, we need some reinforcements. We need them now." Because, totally agree. Uh, what we've got, we're not going exactly going to go anywhere. So we'll see. Giannis, I echo everything that you said, and same thing with Max, because when I look at this, if this is going to be how the midfield three is going to look for the entire season, well, then Fulham are in trouble. I'm just saying that. So I hope this isn't the way that they are going to be. I hope this is the the one of many matches, and then maybe they get back into form. But if I'm Tony Khan, I can't take that chance. I need to bring in reinforcements anyways. And, yes, I hope the Harry Arter situation happens, but I think you still need someone else because I, I don't think that's yeah. enough right now. I think this match showed all of us that if this is how it's going to look, they need more bodies. They need fresh legs. They need a younger central midfielder, and Harry Archer is 29. That's great, but they need someone younger. And that's what shocked me was you have a young team that just took it to foam. And I just hope that they react well to this and they figure out what they need to do moving forward, especially in central midfield, because if they can't control the play, that's the reason why you're not seeing the goals. That's not, you're not seeing Mitro have any effect on us. No. Wouldn't you agree that the lack of play from the midfield is affecting the three up front? Well, they're feeding off scraps. Yeah, it's it's it, uh, it, 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 it's um it's a real it's a real it's a real concern and you know I I not I wasn't exactly you know disappointed at Syria leaving Angusa was a to me um you know I was disappointed he left but it, it, so be it but we've not we've not uh, re, we've not replaced those two players and no. um, it, the math doesn't lie so you've got to some and and the, the other thing of course if you've got players like McDonald and Steph Joe, bless their cotton socks. But the players that you might want to bring off the bench that can provide some stability. But we were so unbalanced on Saturday that we only had one defender on the bench. And luckily he was there because uh, Maxine got injured. So right. it looked, even, the, even, the, even if you hadn't seen the starting lineup, if you looked at the bench, you thought, this doesn't look quite right. I was thinking that too, Giannis. I'm glad that you brought that up. So we're short. Of, we're short of players. We, we, yep. We're short of. We're short of quality right now. I mean, I know Tim Ream has been basically spent the whole summer playing footy because he's been playing for the U.S. national team, and he played on Friday, I think, against the Ha Ha U23 team. So he's not quite. I mean, he might feature this week, um, but we're still short in certain critical areas, and it's very close to the deadline here. Unless, of course, Tony Khan is thinking of going out and buying free agents. Um, but they come at a price, as you know. Sure. Uh, very good there, my friend. All right. 
as we're talking about, I'll go right back to you, and then I'll go to Max. Let's talk about the starting 11, the surprise in the starting 11. What were your thoughts when you saw Anthony Knockhart on the bench and Abubakar Kamara starting? Actually, I wasn't surprised um, because um, I got just just through the presses from, from Scotty Parker, I got the feeling that he wasn't totally convinced that Knockhart um, was – completely fit because of pre-season because of when he came over and so um and he intimated such in the, in the post pressure as well i mean knockout made a, a big difference when he came on but he's not quite there i'm hoping with i'd be absolutely stunned if he's just a start against blackburn um i mean he's such a dangerous player um and he did very very well when he came on camera camera is um a huge impact sub but that's what he is. He's a huge. He's still growing into his body, his head from his legs. He's a big lad, and he's got pace, and he's very, very strong. But it, you know, we could say, well, he started in the playoff final, on, you know, May 2018. But is he a starter? I, I don't, no, no. But is he an impact sub? Absolutely, is. He's, he's, he's scary, and that's why I think, you know, looking at um, Tony Khan again, there's probably room. There may be room for one striker. If you're gonna, if if Mr. Aite is your first choice off the bench after Captain Boo Boo, then really you don't have a lot else. Uh, Neskins Cabano, yeah, he works hard, but is he going to is he going to change change the game? I'd say probably no. Um, back four, well, Green wasn't going to play um, because he's just come back from international duty. I was delighted the Moss and had come back from the injury the week before. That was a relief. Um, but the thing that actually worried me, funnily enough, Ross, was that yeah. midfield. Yeah. It was. It just looked. It just looked. You know what it turned out to be. So well. Um, it, but it should have been good enough to beat Barcelona. Let, let's be honest. But they, they, you know, they were the better side from the first whistle. So, uh, so the lineup wasn't too different than what I thought it would be. But I'm not surprised Boo started because knockout probably needs another week. Okay. Excellent. Max, your thoughts on the starting 11 and the 18 overall? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing, right, was Kamara over Knockart. But I think that's 100% uh, fair is that he wasn't fit. So I don't think that was very controversial at all. And for people who are looking at Kamara, and I saw a bunch of this on Twitter, and are blaming him for the match. And if you're singling out Kamara for that result, take a long look at yourself and ask why that is. Because was he superb? No. But honestly, he was at the forefront of almost all of our positive attacks. He offered such a good outlet out on that right wing. So many diagonal balls found him. He actually set up Mitro in the first 10 minutes for an excellent chance that Mitro really wasted. And you want to talk about Kamara and composure. How about the little cutback to the edge of the box for, for Mitro? I thought that was excellent. And, and yes, he made some terrible decisions because you get that with him. But he takes risks. And... Of course, when Knockhart come on, I thought he was excellent. He was definitely our best attacker. But to single out Kamara for being the, for being a problem with that, I think it's completely misguided. If anything, Cavalero was largely anonymous. Yeah, he, uh, he, he had a couple of good touches, but again, it wasn't a great impact performance from him. So if you ask me who was the worst player, Kamara or Cavalero, I'd probably say Cavalero. But who's getting all the stick on social media? Surprise, surprise, it's Kamara. So... Again, people, they don't like him for whatever reason. You know, that's it. But uh, just to go quick fence, and remember the collective freaking out that was happening um, about a week ago after the West Ham match when Mawson was thought to be out, you know, for however many months, and then he's right back in the starting lineup. 
I mean, what what a bullet we dodged there. Because imagine with having no Mawson, and then <laughs> Lamarchand goes off injured, we would have been absolutely crazy at Tony Consor's step passing yep. for defenders. So luckily, that's been a bit that crisis has been averted. And let's just take a step back and look at what we have here. A center back pairing of Mawson and Reem will be fine. I think that's a very, very, very good championship defense. And yes, we played really poorly that first match. Yes, there looked like there was really no direction coming from Parker in terms of the game plan. But in terms of squad, you know, midfield aside, which I think will be addressed with Arter, the squad looks very good on paper, and I think we'll be okay. Okay, very good. Let me ask both of you, before we break down this match, this question. And I actually posed this to Robert Wilson on the full-time show. And you're talking about how we set up and everything, Max. Giannis, I'll ask you the question first. What was our style of play against uh, Barnsley? Because I could not tell what it was. Coma inducing. <laughs> I don't where know. Was, where was the, you know, again, did you feel that they were, you know, on the same page? Because I certainly didn't. I couldn't see a style of play. I, I knew the style mm. of play under Slavisa. Certainly knew the style of play under Ranieri. I could not tell it under under Parker's first match in the championship. So I'm curious if you saw that, and it sounds like you didn't. Well, it looked it looked like the first. I mean, the first ten minutes was okay. We're just going to plod our way forward and just you know ease our way into the game. And then eighteen minutes later, we were still doing the same sort of thing, you know. And I and I not only did I not see a style, but, but I, this is where I'm going to have to throw a little a little bit of mud at Scotty Parker because it looked like we just weren't ready. Or yeah. Either we weren't ready or we just, um, we took them lightly. And and we lost, Bardiff lost, and Huddersfield lost. So the three relegated teams lose this weekend. Well, the championship, do we, you know, when we got relegated with our, our friend uh, Felix, um, we remember, was it the second game in, that Derby spanked us 5-1? Yep. It's a very, very tough division. You can't take anybody lightly. And um, and it was going to be a difficult game. It, it, you're right. It didn't look as though... It almost looked like there were strangers on the field. And, and I can't understand... I can't understand why. We just didn't seem to have any sort of urgency. Even when we went to yeah. go down, we seemed to be plodding our way forward. And one of the criticisms I had of our performance on Saturday is that, you know, if any team tries to go at us by closing us down quickly, that's great. But if the passing is quicker, you've got a problem because the ball's going to travel quicker than the man. It wasn't. The passing was slow. And it it gave the Barnsley midfield and defenders a lot of time to close space down. And even, you know, even the strikers, I thought, had a good game. And they they caused a lot of trouble because of our inability to link link up with the middles. And then when the ball got to the middles, we were too slow to try and service the strikers. So there was, you know, the style was non-existent. And it just, it looked, it almost looked like, you know, you got a bunch of, you got 11 people from, a, you know, a, low, a corner, st- stuck a kit on them and said, okay, go out and play. It just looked, it looked a little dysfunctional, a little disjointed, to be honest. Okay, and I totally agree with that. Max, your thoughts? Yeah, and it's so baffling. Because it's not as if it was last season where he bought seven players in deadline day, right? This yeah. whole team, with Bar, Bar essentially knocking on Cavalero, this whole team has played with each other for the preseason. What on earth are we doing for those weeks? You know, Mike Gregg had a great tweet today, which was essentially, Fulham posted a, a picture on their Twitter account today, like, 
back at Mottsburg Park grafting. You know, the hard work continues. He said, well, what, what on earth were you doing the past six weeks? We saw all those trading picks. What were they doing? Giannis is exactly right. They look like they never played it together before. It, it's so baffling as to what goes on during preseason. All these preparation matches, all those two-a-day sessions, whatnot. And you go out the first of the season and you lay a goose egg. I, I can't get my mind around it. Um, and just to indulge me for a second, I don't want to sound too alarmist, but listen, Scotty Parker, I love him. I think, well, I thought he was going to be okay, but let me pose you guys this question. Are we, are we, did we give a little bit too much weight to three straight wins when we were already relegated to who's going to be our manager for this season? Was it a bit of a knee-jerk decision? I know he knows the club. I know he's yep. a man who's going to operate within Tony Khan's transfer decisions, and he is. He definitely brought back that feel-good fact. But face the facts that Scotty Parker's never managed a full season before, let alone a 46-match grueling championship season. Max, it's a valid question to talk about Parker, but the situation we're under right now is uh, basically he's the guy, and yeah. uh, you know we have to ride the guy. So I hear what you're saying. I, I don't know if we at at the time of making the decision if the wins clouded anyone's judgment, but this is the decision that they made, and right now Scott Parker's the man, and that's going to lead me to bring up a, a topic for both of you that was actually brought. To me, from Emilio Donnell, I find this interesting because you just happen to bring up Scott Parker, Max. So I'll pose this to you first, and then I'll go to Giannis because it's something that was noticeable in this match. Here's his question: How effective is Mitro under Parker, Max? Because his stats aren't that great as a player under Scott Parker. That, that's an interesting one. Um, I wouldn't necessarily connect the two, to be fair. I mean, Mitro kind of had a general bad second half of the season. I think you're right. His only goal was that penalty against Bournemouth, I'd say, under Parker. But I don't think that should play too much of a role in the championship. I'm, but I think it is a worrying aspect because, listen, Mitro is a player who should be nowhere near this level. I think we all can agree on that. He's a Premier League player at minimum. I think he could have gone to any number of European sides who are playing European football. That's how highly I rate Mitro. And the fact that he was so peripheral on Saturday has to be cause for concern because this is a guy who I've gone out and said he can score 30-plus goals. We've seen what he can do in the championship a couple seasons ago, you know, 12 goals in 17 games. He should make this division his play, his playground. Absolutely. Yeah, so the way he was so quiet, you're right. It it is cause for concern, but I wouldn't necessarily jump to the conclusion that it's Parker's fault. I just – focus on the midfield, you know, abdicating their responsibility in terms of facilitating play. But okay. I think once the season gets along, I fully expect him to kick in the full gear because he's that good. Okay. So you think it's more of a issue with the midfield three? Understandable. Yeah. Over to you, Giannis. I want to get your thoughts on this because this is the topic that Emilio gave to me. Does Mitro suit Parker's system and style of football? What are your thoughts? It's a very, very interesting question, and I have to confess I hadn't thought about that. Um, it, I mean, his, product, his productivity under Parker has dropped, but you know, Parker being you know a fairly new coach, head coach, he's still trying to establish his kind of style and, and what he wants to what he, what he wants to see on a football pitch, and that's going to obviously evolve. But um, you have to create, you know, there's the old notion of do you do you create a team 
to what you like or do you create, you know, something effective based on the team that you've got? And when you've got someone like Micho, who's a top quality striker, you have to find ways. You have to find ways to, to, to keep them in the game. To, That's to right. Trouble. And um, I, for all his analytics, Tony Carlin may or may, may not have missed the point on this one. But if he hasn't, he soon will if he starts to see that we're just not scoring and what is going wrong. We're not, we're not finding our strikers. I think right now, the bigger issue even coming out of the Oakwell game, the Barnsley game at Oakwell, is the fact that we didn't score. To me, that, you know, we can talk about defenders, we can talk about lack of depth at the back, but really, we did only concede one. And our pre-season, we kept things fairly tight. We can't score goals right now. So That's right. the question then becomes, yeah, what do you do? And as long as this Sessignon fiasco goes on, and that's what makes me really nervous here because it's dragging and dragging and dragging and dragging. Does he stay? Does he go? Who comes in? I mean, I'm hearing 30 million plus Josh and Noma not too enamored or even enamored with that. Um, we could probably do a bit better than that. But, but again, the closer to the deadline, the more it happens. Come the mid-season, we're really looking at records. Um, we should be looking at acquisitions right now in terms of right. the season ahead. So, um, you know what? Um, we've got some winnable games coming up, but you're absolutely right here. That you know, Mitra's got to be serviced. Cover year, absolutely. Um, I st- I still think we're a striker short, Russ. I, I possibly. I still, yeah, and. Um, I know there's lots of rumours going around. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to have a Dwight Gale at the club, but I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Although, I will say that Mr. Balotelli is out there as a free agent, just saying. Um, can you imagine okay. him in a full uniform? Jesus, that would be fun. But um, it, it's just making I'm nervous about it because we've lost players and there have been no reinforcements. We've got Ryan, who's obviously injured, yep. but he's going to be transferred and it's getting too close right now, too close for comfort. Totally agree, Giannis. Three so, more days, and a lot has to happen. And this is actually making me a little nervous with the Ryan Sessignon situation. I'm glad that you brought this up, even though it doesn't really have, you know, uh, I guess you could say a, a factor in the match that we just saw. But the domino effect is that, well, again, they need players, and he's not available, but he is injured. And, uh, if he goes to Spurs on the last day and they don't have the ability to use that money, that's going to drive me crazy. So yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand why you brought that up because it'll bring me back to Musa Dembele and Clint Dempsey. And you guys know how I feel about that situation. If it happens at the very end and they don't have a chance to use the money, oh, it's it, it could it could be bad. Anyways, I just want to mention one more time that this topic of talking about Metro and Parker's system was was brought up. From Emilio, and it's a, a valid topic because right now he hasn't been firing on all cylinders. So I, I think it's a something that I'm glad that we we uh, touched on here. All right, let's now go to the first half. Let's not spend too much time on both halves here, but I, I want to just touch on the key moments. We can just mention that Fulham actually had a few opportunities. You had the Mitro shot in the second minute, and then the seventh minute you have the shot by Cavallaro. But then I started to notice. Barnsley really taking a foothold in this match, and they were starting to put the pressure on. And you could really see their pressing style 
and take control of this match. You actually had a shot by Malik Wilkes. He was dangerous the entire match. I want to give him a lot of credit. He looks like a real player. And uh, that that was then followed up just a couple minutes later. Guys, let's talk about the winning goal from Luke Thomas. Max, I'll, I'll go to you because uh, I want to ask you the question. Who's most responsible for giving up this goal? I think very simply, you have to look at Joe Bryan. And, you know, I think so many people are, are responsible. First of all, in the midfield, there, there's absolutely – after Lamarchand goes down, no one even tries to track back in the midfield. So they're completely off in their own world. But Joe Bryan is one-on-one um, with the Barnsley player, and he just falls over. <laughs> I thought he actually didn't have a terrible game. I thought he actually had some really nice tackles, some good touches. But when you're one-on-one with a player like that, you can't afford just to fall over. So poor. And he lets him go by. And then you have Mollison and Adoy. And that slow-mo uh, uh, shot of the goal has been showed so many times. And, and yep. you see what happens with Mawson. And he keeps backing up, backing up, backing up. And you're screaming at him, pressure the guy. Go to him. Because as soon as he steps forward, it's too late. And it actually serves as a detriment because he actually blocks off Betts. So Betts can't see. It goes through Betts' legs. It goes through both their legs, actually. Yep. And it's just a shambles all around. But if I pick one player... It's sad to say, Brian, because he just completely fails at defending his man in a one-on-one situation. When you're a fullback, you can't do that. You're going to concede goals. Okay. Giannis, your thoughts on the goal given up? I blame everybody, to be honest. <laughs> I, mean, was, I, did, I didn't say anything. side of McDonald tracking back. Um, Brian's, you know, he's fallen over. Um, I... I Look at the replays. I still think Betts could have done slightly better. And that's, so do I. Um, yeah, and, and unfortunately, that's become that's become another talk, talking point that's coming out of uh, that has come out of the weekend. I mean, Fabri's persona non grata. So you've got Marek Rodak, who uh, you know we all know had an excellent season with Rodham last year. And is it? it um, I, I'm wondering if. Instead of putting him into that ridiculous Carabao, Caribou, Cows Go Moo Cup, um, <laughs> we we maybe give him a chance to, you know, see 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 what he's worth. I I, I didn't like that. I mean, the goal was ugly. I mean, let's be honest, it was, it was absolutely ugly. He's like one of those Facebook videos you, you know, you you know the um, the worst screw ups in football history. Um, and it was just it was it was comical and it was slow motion and it was just it was it was it was just awful. I just think that Betts could have done a little better. Okay. Um, but um, it's a shame, really, because I thought Brian had a decent game. I think he's I think he's a, a pretty smart left back. Um, but that was but, a bad moment for him, honestly. Yeah, it, it was. Right now, he looks he might look like our best defender. I think. I mean, Mawson still needs time because he's still not. You know, he's obviously had some knocks, but he's still he's not a hundred percent fit. But it, it looks wreckish at the back, and that's and I still don't think that's as bad a problem as the midfield. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't. It's almost like um, it's almost like it feels like the clock was allowed to stop, and and it was it's the tortoise and the hare, and we're the tortoise and the hare of the, of the other twenty three clubs in the division. You know, and um, did the tortoise win, Giannis? Well, at this at this rate, at this rate, at this rate, the tortoise um, has as much chance of winning as Kyle McFadden does of being the next England captain. 
Um, okay. No, it's it's pretty it's pretty dire. And as I said, yeah. I mean, it's it's we're you know the rumours are are flying all over the place about uh, potential players going to other clubs. And I know it's only one game, and, and yeah, we weren't going to go forty-six and zero, one hundred and thirty-eight points. But it's just it was it was just a worrying performance. Absolutely, um, couldn't agree so, more, Giannis. I mean, if Scotty, I don't know what it's, he's obviously like as a manager, but um, I would assume that uh, training today, he he he, he ripped a you know what out of them. Yep. And I think the biggest issue that I would have had was the effort. To me, the work rate. Totally agree. Know, yeah, if you, you went there, Giannis. Yeah, I mean, if you if you get in the Premier League, we were we were out muscled and out harried by teams who had a lot more quality than us, and the inevitable. They were outworked in this match. We were outworked. Yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. We we lacked mobility, and we lacked intensity, and we lacked work rate. Yep. And um, here, here's another thing. You know. Um, when you cross the white lines and the whistle goes, you've got 11 players, but you've got a, a, a captain out there. And um, if as a team you're not putting it in, you, you know, you know, you've got to point some fingers at the captain. Yep. And Ke- and Kevin McDonald, unfortunately, was as guilty as any. He just looked completely led. He'd looked like a League One player, a poor League One player. And, and no disrespect to any, you know, um, League One League One clubs out there, but just he didn't look of this standard. Yep. And, uh, I'm, on, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if um, you know. I, I, one of the things there's something that came through the, the wire the last couple of hours about Nottingham Forest making a bid for Carl Jenkinson, and um, and it made me think about it being a Callum Chambers. You know, I know Unai Emery likes um, the versatility of Chambers, but I'm wondering if you know um, there's something there. We do have money. It's not like we don't. I mean, can you imagine if we had got the chance to bring him back? Oh, that'd be um, great. It really, really would be because it would just because he's just a different level, level of quality. Yep. And that's something that we're sorely lacking. And Tom Kearney, I'm sorry, there's no excuse. To me, Tom looked like he'd had a, a rough night with the baby the night before. Uh, I know it's an early morning start, but think of all that. I think I saw somebody that was a, a Fulham fan that came down from Dundee on the train. You know, I mean, that's a long, long journey from, from Scotland to go down to, to, to Yorkshire. You know, and I bet they weren't going in luxury coaches either. So these are these are these away games are part and parcel of being a professional footballer. Right. And he looked like he'd been asleep. he'd taken a nap in the change room and he was napping on the field. And for all those fans that made the journey, you know they weren't exactly they weren't exactly pleased with the effort that they saw. And, I'm sure, and there was a lot of grumbling on social media that reflected yep. that. Uh, very good there, my friend. All right, let's uh, finish off talking about the first half, which was ugly. And uh, Fulham actually had a opportunity from a set piece uh, a header from a doy that just goes over the bar and then as the half was getting near the end Barnsley should have made it 2-0 they, they had many opportunities to score goals here but there was an opportunity late in the first half and Fulham were lucky to go into the half only down 1-0 and Max I'm going to go to you because now we're going to transition to the second half and here's what I'm thinking, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, because, again, we're going to talk about the second half. I don't think the second half was any better than the first half. I was expecting a reaction. Why yeah. do you think we did not see a reaction going going into the second half? I expected to see it. I don't think we saw it at all. I think we saw a little flurry you know, in the first 10 to 15 minutes, maybe. A little bit. But, but you're right. It wasn't nearly enough. A little bit. You're right. I, I a little yeah. bit. 
was kind of that halftime lull, and we all thought, all right, that was piss poor. Scotty will give him a right hiding, but come out second half. That's true. Fire, they did come out. They did come out a little bit with a little fire. You're enough, right about that. Right? It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And and the thing about having that fire is you must sustain it. It can't just be a flurry. And that's all it was. It was a short lived moment. And we kind of settled back in, into Barnsley taking the game to us. I mean, Malik Wilkes. You, you mentioned it. Yes. We need a player. He's a firebrand. I mean, that guy lit the game on fire. I mean, we don't have a player like that, honestly, right we now. We had no answer for him. Or it didn't look like we did. Exactly. So, I mean, but to be fair, we did have chances later on. We um, did. Knockart had a really nice shot that was saved. Kamara perhaps should have done better when the cutback from Knockart found him. I mean, Aite, Giannis, I'll, I'll let Giannis talk about that later if he wants to. But he had an empty net, and then he, I thought he had good composure. But, again, he never looked like scoring. So yeah. there, there were opportunities where I think we probably could have seized it. But, again, this team, which is surprising because we, we have a lot of experience. I don't know about you guys. I never thought we were going to get that goal. I never really thought we could try, we could get, bring that game back. And that's the sad part is you kind of looked at it and you thought this will end 1-0 with us not really giving it a go, but kind of threatening. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and there's nothing more frustrating than having the other team kind of waste the ball with their home fans cheering. And you realize we've just lost 1-0 to, to Barnsley. Yeah. And that's not a nice thing to say. Um, and it's, it's a big fall from grace. No disrespect to Barnsley, but yep. they just got promoted from League One. We should be doing much better. Totally agree. And I'm just going to talk about a couple key moments. We, we had a shot in the 61st minute from Tom Kearney. Earlier on, we actually had a header, another header from Dennis Adore in the 56th minute. So there were some moments you had a shot by Johansson as well. There, you know, Again, like like we talked about, I, I, I don't think I gave them enough credit. They did come out with some fire, but they did, as Max said, they didn't sustain it. The best opportunity I th- think was a shot by Anthony Knockhart in the 73rd minute. I think you can see why Fulham brought him in. I think he's going to be a very good player for us. And uh, then very late on, you had a, a shot by Kevin McDonald. But again, not enough quality to get the goal. I never felt that they were really going to score. Like I said, the opportunity from Knockhart was, was decent, but just, again, not good enough. So Giannis... I just want to go back to you. Finish up looking at it this way because I, I was talking to Max as we're going into the second half. We always talk about coaches making adjustments. Besides maybe a speech at halftime, what were the adjustments? Were there any adjustments that Scott Parker made in the second half? Because to me, it looked like a lot of the same from the first half. Yeah, it did. Uh, it did, and it, and, it, and it was a little worrying. Um, I think he... I think Parker, even in the post-match, looked like he was in shock. You know, it was almost like he, it almost felt like he, I'm not saying he felt like this, but it almost felt like he showed, he thought that the unit would show up to Oakwell, grab the three points and go home south. And then um, all of a sudden he realized that the script wasn't going to quite end the way he wanted it to. And uh, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the halftime team. I'm not talking about you know the hair dryer treatment and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of m- m- making adjustments that are going to counter tactically, what what was done because it just looked like a bunch of the same. Yeah, it, it looked like nothing. But again, if you look at, um, I th- I mean, I, just, just thinking as a coach, I, I think on the basis you lose Le, Le Marchand, but yep. as a coach, you look at again, you look at that bench. 
And you go, okay, well, Knockout can, can come off the bench. But where are we going to, where are we going to, what's going to really change this? And and this, again, goes back to my concern that we are so close to the deadline and we look paper thin. We look paper thin in terms we do. of breadth. Breadth were not good enough, let alone the depth. Breadth, if you've got players like K-Mac, Steph Joe, Boo Boo on the bench, um, Adoy on the bench, then you're going, okay, all right, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good bench. Starting and over must be pretty tasty. But when they're in the lineup, yep. You know, Mac, I put Maxime Marchand in that as well. Yeah, I think you're nailing it, Giannis. Yeah, we're not. We're just we're razor thin, and, and and I, I don't know. I mean, Sky Sports were reporting tonight. You know, they're hopeful that the Sessignon deal is going to get done before the deadline. Before the deadline, I mean, what if it's done two hours before the deadline? Where do we get players from? And does Khan bring in players under the hope and the assumption that Sessignon is gone? Um, yeah. it, it's 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 a little bit Russian roulette-ish. It's 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 a risky it's risky business, and and um, we all I mean we all moan uh, as fans about the transfer deadline. I understand that there are so many processes and procedures that go yep. to place, but we've known since April that we were going to be relegated. This wasn't rocket science. No, nope. um, and we don't, and we have a lot more financial clout than say a Bardiff, you know, who you know where they've got a. Um, They've really got a bit of a penny pinching, Mike Ashley type owner. Sure, we've got owners that will spend, and yet there doesn't seem to have been any planning. There doesn't seem to be. We bought the two lads in, but then we lost two midfielders, so the the balance has been thrown out. Ream was gone for the summer. Uh, Chambers obviously went back. Mawson, you know, has been injured but come back. But the balance of the squad is all wrong, and um, it's reflective. Probably even looking at the second half because he's, we look like nothing. It, it, we just look like a, a rabble, and yeah. um, it's it's not as critical as for you know five years ago when we had our friend Mister Mister Fotheringham, um, in the lineup, but um, it is concerning. It and, is. And um, you're right, Russ. I mean, the, the, the halftime team talk is one thing. But, where do you where do you start? I, I just you, you, whatever, whatever happens, you've got to have a system and a style. And Barnsley had that, right? And um, right, we know what their system is, and I keep going back to this. Is. What's Fulham's system? I don't, I, I, I don't know. And unless you have a system, you don't really have an identity. That's right. There is no identity. We're going back to that again. That's what's concerning me, Giannis, as we end this show. When I looked yeah. at that match, I'm watching one team that you know how they're going to play. You can see it. They're all on the same page. They're all playing the same way, and they have this intensity. When I looked yeah. at Fulham, they were two yards off the pace or whatever you want to say on that, and they didn't look like they are on the same page, and they didn't look like they had an identity. That's what worries me. That's what concerns me coming out of this match. Yeah. Maybe I'm overreacting a little bit from one match, but that's what concerns me, my friend. You yeah, know, I think I think you're absolutely right, and it's funny if you look at um, you know, I, I tend to look around the reviews as well, the forums of other clubs, and same criticism from the Bardi fans for their game up at Wigan. Yeah, same sort of thing. They got outworked by a Wigan side that's just come from League One. <laughs> you know that that um, you know they took a lot of fans up uh, to the northwest, and um, 
we're going to embarrass them. Right. And, and we'll have, you know, is, this a, is that a Neil Warnock? And that's Neil Warnock. I mean, he's an extremely experienced manager. Yep. Um, maybe it's the cobwebs of the first week. I, I, I would I, I just really for the immediate thing, notwithstanding that awful Cyrus Christie situation. And by the yep. way, if he decides he's going to walk, which could happen, then we've got another problem. Although we do have Stephen Sesson on in the background. But then, we, again, you've got to get the players in. Three days to go, and these are nervy times. And I'm not seeing many many rumours apart from the, the fait accompli Harry Arda deal. So oh, yeah, um, yes. it's worrying me now um, what we're going to look like. Yep. Who's, going to, who's even going to play against Blackburn? Yeah, it's... That's going to be I, again, an easy game either. Another, another promoted side yeah. that um, are, going to, are going to... They're... Um, Blackburn are working like um, they're, they're um, going to bring good support down to the cottage. And playing at the cottage is not going to be as easy this year simply because of the absence of that stand. I know. But the same atmosphere, we can't forget that. That's so, a factor too. I'm glad that you brought that up. I think we all need to go to a bar somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, listen, guys. I, I know, again, I that we uh, decided to wait because we, we just had some uh, scheduling conflicts. I wanted to get us all on to do this show together and uh thank you guys for doing this show it's uh disappointing always to talk about a loss and of course we have the situation with cyrus christie but um i'm just i want to end the show by saying this i'm just glad that the three of us could get back together we'll be doing more shows together i'm glad that we could do the post-match show once again and i look forward to doing many more guys thank you so much mr cohen thank you for joining me tonight Absolute pleasure. It's good to be back with you guys. It was a long summer. Yeah. It actually wasn't that long. It felt long, though. And yeah. listen, what better than to talk about a full of loss? We're yeah, so used well, to that nowadays. It's second oh, nature. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> no, no, but it, it's great to talk to you guys. And hey, come on, Blackburn Rovers at home. Let's get back to winning ways. You know, yep. come on. Let's... I hear you. Mr. Janais, it's always a pleasure talking to you. It's been so long, I've forgotten what a telephone looked like. <laughs> Okay, very good. And I even forgot to say at the end, you know, I normally talk about, well, the match ended. And, yes, the match ended 1-0, and it was very disappointing. And uh, we went through it, and I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. And that also took our words, uh, what we said at the beginning of the show. Then we needed to talk about that at the beginning of the show, talking about Cyrus Christie. It's something that is a despicable act dealing with his sister, and I'm glad that that's how we started the show. Before we go, always want to mention that you can actually subscribe to Cottage Talk on so many different platforms now. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. There are so many different ways to listen to the show. The best way to get every single episode, subscribe, and then it just comes right to you. All right, great show, guys, but we do have to wrap this up. For my co-host, Max Cohen. And Yanis Janais, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans.